You know what ends to the end of relationships? The falling of businesses? Heck, even UCLA offensive struggles against Utah. The correlation to all those things? Miscommunication. You are locked on UCLA. Your daily podcast on the UCLA Bruins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to this episode of the Locked On UCLA Podcast. I'm your host, Zach Anderson, Yoxheimer. Thanks for making the show your first listen each and every day. It's free wherever you get your podcast, whether you're listening audio-wise, maybe you're watching on YouTube. Thanks for your support. Hit that download button, subscribe button, like, comment, review. Thanks for all your support. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers can bet $5 to get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked On to get started. Where we get started today for the Locked On UCLA pod, if you're an everydayer, we've been talking a lot of football. We've been talking about the likes of the offensive line struggles, which is somewhat where we talk about today. The Bruins had a practice open to the media. The media scrum saw a lot of people asking questions to Chip Kelly, mostly looking at some of the kick returning and the blocking schemes and the lack thereof against the Utah Utes for their offensive line. What Chip Kelly said a lot of the time, miscommunication, miscommunication, miscommunication. Said it quite a bit for just a nine-minute session in which he didn't speak the whole nine minutes. A lot of questions sat there, even some sass thrown at the LA Times beat reporter, beat, beat writer for UCLA football in Ben Volch. Maybe more sass than I've seen than what I get from my little sister. Who knows? For the UCLA offensive line, again, the numbers speak for themselves. The seven sacks given up, 11 tackles for loss against arguably the best defense they'll face all season long in the regular season. Can the Bruins somehow climb out of this when they have a full week to prepare after the rest and recovery of the bye week going into the Washington State game? Chip Kelly spoke a lot of miscommunication and that, hey, they lost Antonio Mafia, they lost John Gaines, even Raekwon O'Neal, a significant part of a veteran offensive line in 2022. You have a fifth-year quarterback, a long-time running back, even a super senior in Bobo on the receiving core last year. The Bruins were an old football team in 2022. The youth and the inexperience and the lack of experience in a big road environment in Pac-12 play showed itself against Utah. Despite being shorthanded were the Utes, they came out and still punched the Bruins in the mouth. And Chip Kelly alluded to this. That's a really good football team, but we still had a couple of chances. It's one of those games where UCLA could have won, but in a game where there's so minimal chances, you could almost go to a baseball analogy of sorts, right? When you've got the starter on the ropes, the first couple of innings, you get runners on second and third, a runner at third, less than two outs. You have a chance to drive in the run a couple of times and you don't. Maybe it's basketball where you have a free throws and you leave points at the charity strike, whatever you want to do. The Bruins had a couple of drops overthrows and just simple missed opportunities. And when you miss those opportunities, it also shows the red flag that why did they have such few opportunities? Because the offensive line couldn't hold up communication issues. Chip Kelly said they got to get on the same page. And despite the fact that they're rotating between Bruno Finau, you've got Kadir Kunta, those two who are rotating on the offensive line, the left tackle position, even Chip Kelly talked about, hey, I think the snaps have been pretty evenly distributed throughout the game or throughout the first four games. 
as the Bruins continue to have battles throughout the offensive line, which is key because they want to keep their freshman quarterback upright. If UCLA cannot keep Dante Moore upright, if the Bruins cannot successfully run the ball in a Chip Kelly offense, they're not going to win a lot of football games. And by a lot, I mean eight to nine. You could still eke close to six. They're already three and one. You can easily see them winning three more. Uh, you can pick your poison based on a home or a road, based on the schedule. Still, if you want to win a lot of football games, get closer to the school record for wins in this season and be an outside shot to still make the Pac-12 championship game despite this early Pac-12 loss, you've got to get the protection shored up. If they're having communication issues in their first big true road game, I guess true road game is saying that Salt Lake City's environment, Rice-Eccles Stadium, is a lot more uh, scarier, I should say, than it is in San Diego at Snapdragon. The Bruins have to get this together. They have a full week. The coaches are out on the recruiting trails. They're out looking at other people. Chip Kelly says, all right, we've got to get back to the basics. And what's also interesting is a little snippet of a question about the interception thrown by Dante. Miscommunication on the interception on that play is what he said. There's miscommunication potentially with J. Michael Sturdivant on that pick, which is why it looked like, yeah, Dante Moore, turn, look, throw blindly and right in the Gute's hands for a pick six. So you wonder how many miscommunication moments were there? How many lack how much time in this game was dedicated to the fact that the Bruins simply couldn't communicate was it the youth was it the inexperience was it the coaching staff the lack of execution was a big factor in this game the credit for Utah's defense because what happens is when a good defense flusters an offense they act like they don't know what they're doing which is what the Bruins did for a large portion of those 60 minutes on Saturday against the Utah Utes in week four so if there's so many communication issues, the Bruins, it almost seems like the bye couldn't have come at a more perfect time for UCLA to work through the kinks, figure out what Dante Moore needs to work on. Maybe, as I've advocated, I've even seen some of you guys advocate this, throw in a Colin Schley package. Could that be a little more chaotic if you're trying to just get simple communication in from your offensive lineman, from your true freshman quarterback, and all the new pieces the Bruins brought in the transfer portal. That is potentially the struggle. When you mix youth with new guys and guys trying to battle for spots, you might get games or spurts in games or weeks throughout the season where a team is going to not perform simply because they're just not up to speed. They can be good. They can be talented. But the team showed, hey, it, there's maybe another level to be unlocked. Can they figure it out in time before the season is in the ruins? And we don't want that to be the ruins. We want the UCLA Bruins to succeed this year. So if they keep having this miscommunication, there's also another play where Chip Kelly talked about a simple run, maybe on the Dante Moore fumble. I wasn't really clear on what play he was talking about. Miscommunication on linebacker inside plug. That can mean a lot of things to a football technical guy for me that was just another form on what happened on a bad play miscommunication miscommunication on the pick on the offensive line on the linebacker inside plug which could be a lot of excuses chip kelly isn't always the most loquacious fella as despite what he's been giving us this year but a lot of the word miscommunication which you hope is not just the players not understanding just the environment itself and the bruins weren't up to the task that day it, it it's how the team responds to the next time they get flustered, which will be against the Washington State's Washington State Cougars in the Rose Bowl on October 7th. Will they have worked those kinks out? I'm not entirely sure. 
I hope they do. But miscommunication is the word potentially for an improved offensive line in the weeks to come. Now, is that going to be the difference between facing a Utah line versus Washington State's defense? We'll find out in future weeks. And then I know we've kind of all thought the same thing. UCLA's had a dynamic return game with Kaz Allen and speedsters in years previous. Why is Colson Yankoff returning kicks? And that got specifically asked to Chip Kelly. Interesting enough, he went on a little rant talking about, hey, uh, I'm going to go joke with Ben Bolch this time. You're, you don't like big kick returners. Arguably the best kick returner in the NFL right now might be someone I believe on the Falcons he mentioned who's a, a big over six-foot type guy. And again, what he talked about is we've got to block better on the kick returns. doesn't matter who's returning, sort of. It matters that we need a better block, turn, and engage on the kick return based off the boundary, based off whether it's kicked to the field. And if you think about it, there hasn't been too many times, considering the defense has been good, that the Bruins have been kicked off too to return it. So while the Bruins got a lot of opportunity based on their defensive numbers in years previous to have Kaz Allen break one off, they haven't had that many op- much opportunity. I know Yankoff is athletic. We know he is. He's bigger. He can move. When he took handoffs against NC Central, he's a big boy that can move down the field. Why does it not translate in the return game? I'm not entirely sure. Is it Chip Kelly's reasoning that he that the blocks aren't good enough? Or is it that some guys can be more dynamic when it comes to running a play as opposed to the free-flowing chaotic nature of a punt return, which isn't what Yankoff's on, or there or a kickoff return where you have to follow the block. It's pre-planned. You've got a lot of similar athletic guys on the field, similarly in skill, size, weight, potentially. And can the Bruins execute with a good scheme on a return that can change the game? That game against Utah could have been changed with a big return. I know UCLA got the football first, only got to see a return a couple of times in that game because Utah scored both times in the first half, but a punt return, a kickoff return. Can Loya break one off? He hasn't had an opportunity to truly return one. Utah's punter was a beast in that game against the Bruins. Yet you want the Bruins to engage on special teams. There's the balance, right? Do you want to hold on to the football or do you want the ability to break one loose? And yeah, we saw the Bruins struggle in special teams of week one in 2022 when they couldn't hold on to the football. They couldn't return it. Now in 2023, they're valuing the possession at the expense of a big return, which they needed to flip the field and change the game against Utah. Now that might not be the case. There probably won't be as much of a low-scoring effect to any of UCLA's games the rest of the season in terms of a 14-7 game. I just hope that UCLA can improve on the offensive line and improve the blocking scheme on the kickoff return if that is truly what Chip Kelly believes versus it's the returner. Uh, Yankoff's extremely athletic. I just don't know why it hasn't worked so far in the brief opportunities they've had in the first four weeks. Coming up next segment, we're talking the UCLA women's basketball team again. Another poll has them amongst the top-tier teams in the country. For a program that's never made it to the Final Four, Corey Close's bunch gets some love, actually this time from ESPN, as another poll gives them some love. Two polls on back-to-back days, The Athletic and ESPN, given the UCLA Bruins a lot of expectations and weight and pressure into this season. What does it look like, and what does their schedule look like in conference? We'll talk about that coming up in the next Locked on UCLA segment. Snap into the NFL season with 
FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can get up to $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use because there's a wide range of betting options, spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. Visit FanDuel.com slash locked on to kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, an official partner of the NFL. Second segment, second poll that UCLA women's basketball is a part of, in which they're not only just in the top 10, not only just in the top five, Corey Close's bunch, which is looking for their first regular season championship of this millennium, in looking for their first conference tournament championship since, what, about 2006, they're potentially Final Four good for the Pac-12 this year. ESPN released their top 25, way too early preseason top 25, although it's the end of September with this being released. I'm not sure how way too early it can be. The Bruins, who haven't won the Pac-12 tournament, then the Pac-10 in 2006. They haven't won a regular season championship since 1999. That's when we're partying. Let's go. The Bruins have never been to the Final Four. And now with... Osborne coming back. You've got Cam Brown, an underrated return for another UCLA returning starter. And the transfer portal get of Lauren Betts to give the Bruins a true post presence that they have that they didn't have when they faced off against South Carolina or when they went against Lauren Betts in Stanford in those two of three Pac-12 clashes or when they had to face the Utah Utes, who returns all their starting five. UCLA is number three in the country Again, this is what ESPN ranks them as, behind LSU, behind UConn. Again, you got LSU, who's the reigning champs. UConn, who's got everybody back, finally, if they can stay healthy. The Bruins ahead of Ohio State. And the Utah Utes, who are really good and almost took out LSU last year, they return all five starters, a part of a Pac-12 conference that that has five teams in the preseason top 25, four in the preseason top 20, in what might be a very wide-open year in women's college basketball. Last year was already one of those years, right, considering South Carolina didn't win it. You had Caitlin Clark lead her team to the finals, only for LSU to take advantage and just pick them apart in the championship game and win the title. They've got Haley Van Lith, who's one of the best young or best players in women's college basketball. I've seen her play in person. So LSU will be a tough task. But the Bruins, hey, you've got Osborne, you've got Kiki Rice, the number two recruit. You've paired the number one recruit for the class of 2022. The 6'7 Lauren Betts, who goes cross, goes down the state from the northern part to the southern part to give UCLA a key combo with Bessoir down low, who we hope in her junior season can shoot just as well as she did from three, 35%, close to 36% from three. Can London Jones capitalize on some freshman to sophomore year growth? Gabby Hawkins do the same thing that the Bruins are looking to see from what Bessoir did in her sophomore season. Kiki Rice, if she can continue to be a baller, the Bruins can grow immensely from 22 into the 23 to 24 seasons where you're going to face a Utah team that returns all five starters. They have Alyssa Peely, who had 20 points per game, the Pac-12 player of the year. You're going to have to face off against USC, who's in the preseason top 25, it seems like, for the first time in over a decade. Well, that's because they've got Juju Watkins, 
who would have been a it would have been a nice addition for UCLA if they could have gotten one of the best recruits in the country in their own backyard. She chose that team across town. So now USC is a team that is very well in contention. Stanford, who has their worst preseason ranking in a very long time, about seven years worth of preseason rankings, eight years worth have come and gone since Stanford's been outside the top 15, it seems like, with their preseason ranking. Can't forget Colorado, who's good, and then Washington State, who knocked off the Bruins in the Pac-12 championship game of the tournament in Vegas. They've got some key players going along with Charlize Lager-Walker, who have some big-time shoes to fill after that tournament run. Can the Bruins compete this year? We're going to take a look really quickly at their women, at their scheduling block that they released. They don't have official dates just yet. They have a block shell schedule, just like they've released for both the men and the women. Ironically enough, the women have to play USC before the new year comes, December 30th at home, which sucks because the students will be gone. You get to play Oregon, Oregon State at home. So you get to play Kelly Graves, Oregon, Oregon State. It's not been so long since they were a pretty solid program. Those are your first three home games in conference. And oh, by the way, January 14th, you go back to USC and you don't play them again for the rest of the regular season. You've played both your regular season matchups and the middle of January hasn't even come and gone when you play that game specifically. You get to go to Colorado and Utah. That's a very tough back-to-back road trip. Both mountain schools, both those soon-to-be Big 12 schools, both ranked in the top 25, at least in the preseason. And then you host Washington, Washington State. They can be very tough games. Both teams, the Huskies and the Cougars, can easily knock off the Bruins. You go to Cal and Stanford. The Stanford Cardinal do not come to the Pauley Pavilion this year. So you're not going to see Vanderveer and Cameron Brink and the Stanford Cardinal team for, uh, who knows, at least in women's basketball, in Pauley Pavilion, so who knows when. They got that last matchup in early January of 2023 in Pauley Pavilion. The Bruins couldn't knock them off until they did in the Pac-12 tournament. So they get their last matchup with the Bay Area schools, at least in the regular season, in early February. Then you go play Arizona, Arizona State. You get Oregon and Oregon State, middle of February on the road. You host Colorado and Utah, and then end the season at Arizona and at Arizona State. Remember, Arizona is not too far removed from a a national championship game appearance in which they lost to Stanford in an epic down-to-the-wire championship game. So that's how loaded the Pac-12 conference is. Think about how epic all these schools are in all the sports and all the Pac-12, right? The Pac-12 men's basketball teams, very underrated. The women, look at up to top to bottom, you can see teams who are in national contention just two years ago, and now there's other teams who are already flipping, taking those roles like the Utahs. You come in and you've got Colorado jumping in. You've got the likes of Washington State making some rise. USC's climbing up there. So just think about how this conference is breaking up and how good it is top to bottom in so many sports. We give the love to football right now, but still, man, why does this conference have to break up? It it just sucks that it does because there's a lot of good teams, a lot of good programs getting good at the wrong time, if you will, right? It's the right time maybe for some teams, but the wrong time for the conference to stay together overall. And yet it'll be a fun end of Pac-12 as we know it to see if the UCLA Bruins can compete in this stack schedule. They only play Stanford once. And of those ranked teams, you know, if you miss Stanford, but you don't get Cal, the good and the bad there, can the Bruins improve? Can they improve on their closeout game? Can they hit their free throws? 
And can they be efficient from the field and add a three-point element to it? They were able to hit a lot of threes sometimes, but there are plenty of games where they'd go two for 18 or two for 19 and rely too much on the three-point ball. And the last key to this season, which you're going to hear me harp on, what does Lauren Betts, maybe not putting it all on her specifically, but can Lauren Betts help bring a specific post-presence to UCLA? They didn't have that. Bessoir stretches out more of a stretch shooter. Can they get more boards, have a physical interior defense, and have a reliable post-score in the paint that they just didn't have when they'd go in the paint and get swatted by the other team's post players when they just drive? You see Osborne do it against South Carolina, do it against Stanford, right? It would happen over and over again in their five matchups between those two schools specifically where the Bruins only came out one and four. It wasn't only Osborne. Can the Bruins get easier buckets in the paint now that they've added some size so they can spread the floor, add the mid-range, the three, and you can hit, you can easy, get, easily get points in the key. All those combined, maybe with some added pressure on defense, this is a team that has some ex- significant expectations, a program that's never been, once again, to the Final Four for UCLA women's basketball. Corey Close is on the verge of hopefully something special this season, and I think we need to support it, considering the athletic ESPN recognizing what the Bruins have returning, the potential growth of what's already been, and the looks of something new coming over from Lauren Betts in the transfer portal, all that together can lead to what could be a very magical year for UCLA women's hoops. I hope you're ready to support because I am Let's Go Bruins. To wrap things up, speaking of big-time national expectations, UCLA women's soccer is looking to be a defending champion this year. They did have an early setback, but what have they done since as they worked their way into Pac-12 play? We'll kind of tease and talk a little bit about them as we wrap up this show here on Locked On UC. Third and final segment today, the Locked On UCLA pod. It's bye week during football season. In between, we wait for the expectations the big expectations for both UCLA men's women's basketball this season. And we take a look at what fall sports dominance might look like UCLA women's soccer again with Margarita Ozasa in her second year, fresh off a national championship overall in that thrilling win against North Carolina in North Carolina for the championship game where they came back down to the wire and won in extra time, won in overtime and ended up taking the college cup. Can the Bruins repeat? This is a team that's ranked number five in the country, number four based on a certain poll, whatever you use on the coaches poll or the soccer nation, whatever it's called. They have two different polls. The Bruins are in the top five, top four based on certain polls, either hovering around above, below, right next to BYU, who is the only team that has found a way to stymie UCLA this season. That was in Provo. BYU had a short stint atop the country at number one before they got upset and drew against TCU and then lost their next game at Utah State, their in-state rival. So the Bruins this year, if you look at their, their numbers, right, they have some pretty outstanding numbers as a team. They've scored 21 goals in eight games. That's close to two and a half goals. That's more than two and a half goals per game. They've given up five, which is about half a goal per game. If you take that BYU loss out of it, that's 7-0, obviously. Duh, duh, Zach. And those seven wins this year, they are 20-2 outscoring their opponents, right? So in wins, they're plus 18 when it comes to scoring goals. And their one loss on the road against a dynamic offensive side like BYU, the Bruins got outscored 3-1 to 
on the road in a very tough place to play where the place was packed against the BYU Cougars, who's now a Big 12 program and a team that's been very good for a lot of years. So for Marguerite Ozas, a lot of it's been helped out by Nico Purcell, who's had now five shutouts this year for UCLA in their seven wins and then giving up goals to Cal Poly, giving up goals in giving up a goal, I should say, to the Mustangs, giving up a goal to the Colorado Buffaloes in the game in their first Pac-12 game of the season, and their only goals given up came against BYU. So who has been the key to helping UCLA stymie the opposition's offensive attack, right? Well, it's been their the back line, it's been their defenders who have held teams to five or less shots almost significantly every game, right? Every single time teams have a lot less shots. You're not going to see a lot of quality opportunities. The Bruins have found ways to make sure teams do not get a lot of shots. So they've had five shutouts, teams not scoring a lot of goals. you got to look at Lily Real, Jaden Perry. You've got their outside backs from Quincy McMahon, Aoki. Those are players who have been helping to keep teams not get on the score sheet, make sure they don't take a lot of shots when they like to win games. And again, the Bruins are returning eight starters from a team from a year ago. Still three spots to fill there. You see Allie Cook, five goals and assists, came with a goal recently. Sunshine, words, Sunshine Fontes has got four goals. Rylan Turner, Raylan Turner has three goals, three assists. Those are your three top point getters and three top scorers. Even Val Vargas, who's played with the Mexican national team in one of their younger teams, which I think won one of the CONCACAF Cups, where I think the U23. She's played in seven games, started three of them, did not play against Colorado which the Bruins won 3-1 to one on the road in Boulder to get their Pac-12 play started. The Bruins actually have three straight road games to start the Pac-12 schedule for them. They got at Colorado. When I post this episode, they'll be playing Washington in Seattle. We'll see what happens with that. And then they have a sneaky, tough road game against Washington State, the Cougars, who are at the edge of the top 25 where the Bruins have not won in Pullman in nearly a decade, and this is their last opportunity to do so for what could be quite a while unless UCLA schedules them in the non-conference in years to come. So a sneaky tough game at Washington, at Washington State, in that Washington travel pod for three straight road games for the Bruins get three straight home games, and then they get to close out the season at home. Cal, Stanford, USC, some big names coming to town to Wallace-Annenberg Stadium to end the season for UCLA because the Cardinal will always bring a big draw regardless of how they're doing. USC always brings a big draw. Even UCLA was the hottest team, arguably the hottest team in the country last year before falling late and then finding a way to go win throughout the NCAA tournament with some late wins, PKs, overtime. And can they bring that same mentality, that grinded out mentality to win this year? It's tough to do it back-to-back. And with UCLA's early loss at BYU – I'm not sure what that sets the stage for because last year UCLA went to Duke. They went to these teams on the road and beat some top-tier competition away from home, which is why they got put on the map to begin with as the number one team in the country in the 2022 season. Now they got a lot of that talent back. They got a keeper who's posting five shutouts, a defense that's not allowing too many shots per game, less than or close to half half a goal a game allowed by this UCLA defense. And the offense is still lighting up the scoreboard. Even when they lost, they still scored a goal, which is, I would think, a pretty good sign. Even when they were being quieted quite a bit, 
they found a way to score a little bit. It's up to the Bruins defense to make sure they don't get lit up like they did against BYU when they play tougher competition down the line, which I think their first real upset ability, upset potential in Pac-12 play will be that game at Washington State. They can win these couple of games against the Washington schools, win in a place they haven't won at in a decade or nearly a decade. That will give a lot of hope, not that there isn't hope, but a lot of expectations, a lot of experience for this team that already has quite a bit of it, and maybe get the ball rolling to the middle and end part of October where the bulk of Pac-12 play will occur until the November showdown against USC. Because Margarita Ozasa has got a team that can easily go back-to-back. But it's how can they handle the PKs? How can they handle these overtime situations? Will they get in a game where they trail and come back and win? Remember, college soccer, they don't play overtime in the regular season anymore. So there's less minutes played during the regular season. They don't have golden goal anymore. That's gone. All they do is they play both 20-minute halves, and then they go to PKs if the goals are scored or not. So remember, there's a lot less minutes being logged by these players, but still the wear and tear of a year ago may linger. How can the Bruins hold on and get to a second consecutive college cup and win it two years in a row? It comes down to the defense playing spectacularly and making sure that the offense clicks in all cylinders, even when they're trailing in a game against a top-tier opponent. Can the Bruins do it? I got some expectations for them. Top five, they're 7-1, unbeaten at home. They've won four in a row at the recording of this podcast since they lost to BYU. And it's, it's up to the Bruins, the returners. A lot of the offense is back. Can they do it in this second consecutive season? Can Marguerite Eozaso be, hey, two years, two championships? That's a pretty baller move. What's well, a baller move? We're going to end this pod. Say, let's go. Hit that subscribe button, download, and thanks for your support. If you're going to listen, come through tomorrow. We'll talk some more Locked On UCLA as we rock and roll throughout the rest of this season. More football, more basketball, more fall sports talk here on this show. I'm Zach Anderson, Yoxheimer, saying get your hands up, Bruins fans. Eight clap time, baby. And one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, U, C, L, A, UCLA, fight, fight, fight. This has been Locked On UCLA. Go Bruins.